Hello and welcome to From the Rookery End. Uh, my name's John, uh, with me is Mike. Good day to you. Well, it wasn't a good day yesterday. Uh, it was Watford a 2-0 uh, loss against West Ham United at the Olympic Stadium. Uh, and we'll talk about that in a minute with Colin. Uh, but Mike, we, you know, b- before the game, uh, how long did it take you to come down from the buzz of the Chelsea win? Those of you who listen to the, uh, well, there's plenty of you I know for a fact that listen to the Chelsea podcast, uh, the, the podcast recorded after the Chelsea game, knew I was looking for negatives almost immediately <laughs> after the game. And I have had this nagging doubt, John, all week that, yes, I've relived that game. You, the, you know, let's, let's get it straight. You have to enjoy nights like that. Under the lights at Watford, you're beating the champions 4-1. And you're not just beating them, you're absolutely demolishing them with beautiful goals. So I've watched the replays on Sky. I've listened to John Marks' commentary. It was great to see that on, on Football Focus. And... And half of me have been thinking, you know, this was a monumental win. This was a real big thing for us as Watford supporters. So I've been enjoying that this this week and uh, unashamedly. But also I've had this nagging doubt that Chelsea were so, so, so bad in that fixture. They were really, really poor. I think Bakayoko was like the walking definition of that performance. He summed up their, their performance. So effectively, we put a really bad side to the, you know, in inverted commas, obviously, they're not a bad side, but they played so poorly. We've just dispatched someone on there. Uh, probably they won't play that badly again this season. That's been nagging. And, and I thought we're going to play West Ham United, who are the same as us, punching in the same weight division to, to, to use boxing parlance. And this will be a real test for us. It'll be a real um, test to see how we bounce back, how we, if we can build on it, how we deal with a, a team that's more on our level. Um, in a game where we're more expected to get something. Colin was at the game. Uh, let's see what he saw from uh, the from the stands uh, at yesterday's Watford performance away at West Ham. So Colin, you at the game. We had an unchanged starting eleven. Of course, you were never going to change uh, a winning team against that, that beat Chelsea. After the Chelsea game, I asked you, was it a setup for playing against Chelsea or was that his favoured formation? <laughs> You said it was against Chelsea. Um, yes. Was it the right formation for West Ham? No, no, it wasn't. It wasn't. Uh, I think he, he chose the same side because, uh, as he said, he only had 17 players available, two of whom were untried in the side, and Dong and Lukbakio. Uh, he had Gray, but he went, he went for the same, the same setup because obviously it had been successful at home against Chelsea. But against Moyes' 4-5-1, it didn't work. And we were overrun, really, uh, particularly in central midfield. So we had Decore and Capu on Monday night against Bakioko and uh, Kante. But against West Ham yesterday, they had three players in midfield and, and they were able to press us. And we, 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 we didn't play badly, really. We just couldn't really get a foothold in the game, particularly in the first half. Every time we got the ball, we were being rushed, we were being harried. Uh, and it was partly because the personnel in the central part of the pitch, they, they couldn't handle the, the three that they were facing. And so West Ham got on top of us and they played very, very well. I mean, they deserved the, the win. There's no doubt about that. It wasn't, there was no sort of doubt about that. Uh, they scored goals when they needed to and, you know, and, and we didn't really have an answer. So I don't think it was uh, the right system. I, at half time, when we were only only one nil down, could easily have been three nil down because there was an offside goal when it was very marginal. Yeah, uh, Chicharito, and then and then also a brilliant point blank save from Carnesis, uh, which was just superb. And I, I thought he he played well again. He seemed. I don't think we've got any worries in the in the goalkeeping department because he played well yesterday. Everton away is all forgotten about. <laughs> yeah, well, it seems to be because he seems solid and he commands the box and he 
He he gets everyone, you know, uh, fairly well organised. What was disappointing about their first goal was that it came from a cross on their left wing. We've got three centre-backs, but Chicharito is being marked by Ziegler, who is the wing-back. And you wonder where the three centre-backs had gone right over all of their heads. And it seems to be a bit of a disease at Watford that defenders fall over at key moments. Yeah, well, <laughs> they, well, did he no fall feet. over? Was it a push? But he was, he was on well, his, his backside anyway. He's twice his size. He's got to be stronger. The problem was that because he's the wing back, he was on the wrong side of Chicharito. And so he tried to get round or do something. And he just got, he got a tiny little bit of a push. But I mean, it wasn't a push. It wasn't a foul. And he fell over and gave him a free header. But what, what's, you expect your three centre-backs to be along the six-yard line ready to head it away. Uh, and they weren't there. They got sucked into the ball and the cross came in and there was Chicharito and Ziegler fell over, much like uh, Holabas did against Huddersfield, was it, I think? Yeah. Uh, and uh, Cabaselli did against Bournemouth <laughs> last season. So we've really got to stop falling over in those positions and giving away goals. So that was disappointing because that was a, that was bad organisation. Uh, so at half-time, I was saying, we've got to go to a back four. You've got to get Ziegler off the pitch because he wasn't playing very well and get probably Ndong on the pitch uh, was the person I thought of because Was he the person you thought of or he was your only option? Well he's our only central midfielder really uh, to come in and help Decore who was excellent again really he was he was our best player again I felt um, they did look they did look a little bit tired I think you know the intensity of that win on Monday night to, to then come back and try and reproduce that five days later away from home on an absolutely enormous pitch. And it, it, in, they, did look, they did look a little bit shell-shocked at times because West Ham played really well. I mean, they were really good. Um, despite all the... We went to a, a bar before and after the game and the, the Hammers fans are not happy, really. But, I mean, obviously they were happy with the win, but they didn't think that they were as good as we felt they'd been. They felt that they were a little bit lucky and they were very worried in the second half because at 1-0, we had, we were, we had something like 70% possession in the second half. But of course, they weren't happy with that. And we should have made more of it, but we, we couldn't create a clear chance. But that's what, you know, what, what football fans always do to their own club. Yeah, of course. You, know, you, see, you see the negative, negativity in it. And I said there's a, a massive contrast on everyone before the game, uh, after the game on Monday, we're, we're singing Watford's praise and, hey, yeah. Europe, here we come. And then it's the exact opposite. Um, you know, we, we talked about Kapu. Um, would he be able to uh, sustain the great game he had against Chelsea? The answer was no. He's still a one in five sort of a, a player. Well, I think that's a little bit unfair, John, actually, because I thought he did, he did okay yesterday. It wasn't one of his lacklustre... Wandering around, looking, uh, wondering what his job was. He, he he did play. He did play with a bit of determination and spirit. But uh, his natural tempo is is slower than West Ham were playing, and so he never really got enough time to to do the things you know to to play the passes that he wanted to play because he was being rushed and he can't play at a higher tempo. And I don't think that was an attitude problem with Kapu yesterday. I think it was a it was a manpower issue because. There was just the two of them, and they were they were just every time Decore or Kapu got the ball, they was just they were just being pressed, and they were finding it hard to find an you know an out ball into space because the system wasn't quite the right system for the game that they were playing. That's that's how that's how I felt standing behind the goal watching it. So I, although he didn't perform at the level he did against Chelsea, no one did really because we we just didn't have that incisive. Play, but the but the positive uh, from that performance, despite the defeat, is it still bore no relationship to the performance against Southampton in the cup or the or the last sort of knockings of of the silver regime, where there seemed to be a sort of listlessness and a lack of belief. There was definitely belief, 
and there was definitely you know a sort of togetherness but just yesterday we were Javi was outcoached by David Moyes that's what it felt like and you know you have to you have to give this chap a bit of time he's never managed in the Premier League he's come in he's got a draw against Stoke away from home which is not easy he's beaten the champions at home and then yesterday he got he got slightly caught out by uh, partly the pace and intensity of West Ham's play, but also, I would say, the, the tiredness in the legs of some of his players after Monday night. But also, tactically, he just, you know, he'll learn from that. He'll look at that and go, oh, okay, so that's what an away game at West Ham looks like. That's how they want to play football. I can deal with that. I just need to know that. And when we play Everton or when we play West Brom or when we go away from home, you know, he, he's on a very, very steep learning curve. But I think he's, you know, he's on track to to do well for us he he seems to get them he seems to have got the players back together and that was still evident yesterday even though we got we got beat I suppose his decision, you know, he said the other possibility he could have done was to make that change to have three in the midfield at half time, as was desired. That's quite a daring thing to do in only your fourth game as a manager of a club to make such a change to a bunch of players who you haven't spent that much time with yet, or at least, you know, to change the, the, the mentality of, of the players in terms of their, their tactics, not just their willingness to, to win games. I agree with that, but but on the other hand, he had the personnel to do it because he had two left-backs on the pitch. So you can take one of the left-backs off and go to a back four without really disturbing the system. You have to ask Yanmat, obviously, to come back and play as an actual right-back. Which could be and a big ask. It could be. <laughs> it can be. But he had the players on the pitch to change from a 3-4-3 from a to, to what would have effectively been a 4-5-1. Or possibly he could have uh, you know, then turned it into a 4-4-2 at, later in the game and brought Gray on for one of the wide men, um, which I, he eventually did do. It was interesting watching Delefeo because he was very influential again. You know, they got three or four men on him and Richarlison. Every time they got the ball, they rushed over there in large numbers. I mean, it was quite impressive, the energy levels of West Ham, the way they kept going. And, and that's one of the reasons that we faltered because they were very fresh and we were, you know, just a little bit under. But when Delefeo came off, he was, you know, he, he was absolutely exhausted. He, he could barely, you know, again, he could, he'd run himself into the ground. And I, I suspect that's... An adjustment thing for Premier League football. It's very intense. The tempo is very Also, high. he hasn't played that many games of football. He wasn't like in the starting eleven for Barcelona every single week. No, that's true. So he hasn't had so, like a full season. Um, but you know, you say that there's 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 that keeping fit uh, for, to play ninety minutes and then keeping fit in in two very exactly. intense games of football in the Premier League. Exactly. We should be really delighted that he's with us because he is will make a big difference. I think to. The results, you know, I think you'll make different, a difference to the results, which is what you know what what you want your your attacking players to do. You want them to affect the affect the result. And I'm sure he will. He brought on Lukbakio for Delafoe instead of Carrillo, which was you know a, a bit of a surprise. You, you, I was expecting Carrillo to come on, but he brought on uh, Lukbakio. He, he seemed all right. I mean, he, he was a bit rabbit in the headlights, thrown into a game. Where I think we were. Two 0 down by then. Yeah, possibly. he seems a, a reasonable player. He, you know, he didn't do anything spectacular, but you know, we we'll have to wait and see with him. But it was a shame. I felt back to what you said about the halftime thing that he didn't say this isn't working, lads. We need to go. We need another man in the central midfield. We're being pressed. We need to get on the ball. We need to get on top of them. 
he kept the same system, but nevertheless, we did have a lot of the ball in the second half. And we, we got a, a couple of very nice free kicks in good areas, one right at the beginning of the second half, and then one a bit later that where Adrian made a very good save against a very good free kick from Delafeo, which got up and over the wall. And, and if it had been a foot higher, I don't think Adrian would have got to it. It was almost too good a free kick because it was up and down. And it came at him at sort of mid-post height, which he could get to. Had it been a bit higher, I don't think he would have stood a chance. But that's exciting to have someone that can, can pull off a free kick like that. That was exciting to see him, you know, hit one so cleanly and so well. Unfortunately, you know, in the end, we pressed so hard and we were so unlucky with the second goal. But I, it does make me wonder why players don't put the ball out for a corner from time to time. I guess it's so embedded in their DNA if in doubt, hoof it out. Yeah, but you see, when you've got a man in front of you, just knock it out for a for a, a corner and then regroup and defend the corner. We were on top of them at that stage. The, the atmosphere in the ground was quite quiet because they were worried. They could see that we were getting on top and then they go up the other end of the pitch and it's a sort of another comedy of errors where the ball gets booted. It hits a player who knows nothing about it and rebounds straight to Onatovic. He just taps it in. And that was, again, it was unlucky, but it was also... And Conisys had made a decent save just before that as well. And you just think, just put it out for a corner, regroup, defend the corner and go again. But no, you know, a bit of panic, booted it as hard. I mean, it hit it <laughs> incredibly hard. And it hit the West Ham player, came back. You know, it was unlucky. But, you know, at that point, we just need a little bit more composure at the back just to say, OK, we'll have to concede a corner here, but that's fine and we'll regroup. And we were so desperate to get that equaliser and you could feel that sort of desperation. Not panic, but just that sense of momentum and the real desire to get back in and get that equaliser. And, uh, yeah, we didn't get it. And, I th- you know, had it been one all, you could have argued it, was, it would have been a fair result, but they got the second goal and that really killed the game. A podcast made by Watford fans fans for Watford fans from the rookery end. It gives me great pleasure to welcome once again to Michael Parkinson. Arlo. Arlo, how are you doing? Good, but not good for me yesterday. Did you expect us to do better against West Ham? Uh, well, we did do quite good, but West Ham seemed to have got better. Yeah, they do, don't they? Now... This, uh, I'll show you disappointment we've lost, but now Watford have got two weeks off. They've got a bit of a break before their next game against Everton. So, like you, they're on holiday, you're on half-term. What do you think the Watford team should do with their break, with their time off? Have a team outing, maybe? Where could they go as a team? The seaside. The seaside at Brighton. All right. Oh, wow, that's a good idea, to remind them of that, that famous day when they got promoted. Yeah. Really good idea. OK, Arlo, thanks very much for joining us. Goodbye. From the rookery end. It was a 2-0 loss. Uh, I make that 2-2 in aggregate. You know me, Mike, trying to find the positives uh, in aggregate scores. Remember, 6-5 against Chelsea. Uh, so, <laughs> you like I say, you know, we said beforehand it was a, a likening team to us in terms of Premier League stature. Um, yes, they have the big stadium. Um, yes, they have the former Manchester United players. Uh, and they maybe can attract a, a, a waning player from big clubs. But the game wasn't one-sided. The result was, but the game wasn't. Uh, but w- there was a bit of a hangover compared to that Chelsea game. 
It certainly feels like that, doesn't it? When you look at the the chances that Watford created, they were they were pretty minimal. We were sort of think everyone, if you read every report, um, it'll d- describe Watford's attacking as 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 ineffective in using different methods to describe that phrase. I think so. I don't think we created anything going forward. Um, Delafeo was was brought off. Um, no, not, some supporters weren't happy with that. Um, so it's, it was really back to our season in microcosm yesterday. And as much as we weren't um, creating enough going forward, and then there was just that calamitous defending certainly for the for the second goal so yeah really really disappointing and then a, a bit of a wake-up call again to remind us that we're we're in a an, in a difficult difficult relegation fight I think people will be less upset because of Monday because we've shown we can do it we've shown we've got that fight shown we've got that quality shown we've got that spirit but now we've realized it's going to be very very difficult and do you know what part of me is quite relishing it now everyone knows that we're in a bit of difficulty it sort of feels like fun again. Hang on, hang on, hang on. You're saying Michael Parkin, the the <laughs> doommeister of Watford fan, not you really, not the worst, but you know that that sort of thing. You are enjoying the battle that is ahead of looking at the Premier League over our shoulder and seeing these results. Sort of, yeah. I'm, I feel I feel alive again because if you think back over to the last two two Premier League seasons they've been done and dusted by now we've had we've peaked and we've been on the downward spiral but we've always known that we were going to stay up so the last two Premier League seasons have been been completely over by this stage and what I'm quite enjoying you know I'm finding myself checking the league table looking at who who's playing each other around them what will a win mean what will a draw mean for those for those around us where the matches we need to get points and it feels like we're in we're part of something. We've got something to, to focus on and to aim for. And it's that sort of nervous slash terrifying excitement of, of games actually meaning something. And I think I alluded to it um, after the Chelsea game that I think perhaps we've all become a bit stale to a certain degree. It's yeah. sort of, it's been, it's been quite easy, not easy, because of course staying in the Premier League isn't easy, but it's been quite straightforward for Watford in the last couple of seasons. Yes, we've had big peaks and troughs. But as I said, ultimately we've been comfortable and safe quite early, whereas now we're not. And it feels a bit like football again. You know, a lot of people say, well, the championship's more fun, there's more games, there's more chance of winning something. Well, now we've got something to aim for. Now we've got something to, to, to really go for. These games mean something. It's not just our games that mean something. You're looking at other teams, as I said, and seeing, you know, most people, I'm sure we're recording this on, on Sunday morning, people will be checking the fixtures and trying to work out what the best um, feasible outcome from this afternoon's fixtures will be. And, yeah, it's sort of, it's quite invigorating. I mean, it's terrifying in the same way, Yeah, I'm going to say, way, that's, that's the weird thing about it, is that terrifying, but also... It is. I think I can't. I want to use the word exciting, but it's liveliness. Let's say to the season. Yeah, we feel that, like that it's is. something. It's it's real. It's real. We've got something to go for, and I think I think as supporters, we probably needed it because it felt like, as I said, we started really quiet the Vicarage Road on on Monday against Chelsea, and that's that's no criticism of, of anyone. I think everyone feels the same. But you know, if that was the first season and early on in the season, it would have been absolutely crackling under lights, champions, a chance to bloody um, a, a massive team team's nose in front of the, the watching millions um, but it was you know I just think we're it feels like we felt tired jaded um, and I think now people are starting to wake up to the fact that there's there's some real football to be played some real effort required we've shown in patches that we've got the quality now now our football club needs to show that they've got the fight and desire um, and we need to stand we need to stand shoulder to shoulder with them and um, and be noisy be proud and, and enjoy what we're involved in a Premier League dogfight it's interesting you say that I just had a thought like that whole thing of 
I've, I have this whole thing about continual development and how and how do you develop as a football team and actually you need to go through certain battles and I know in the podcast in the past that you know the, the continual changing manager the continual changing of, of players means that our failures aren't staying within the mentality of of the club and the team but you really hope that actually this is this is something different this is not us failing yet um, you know, we're still mid-table. We seem to have, after the Chelsea game, a team that can, uh, when asked upon, uh, and only has to do another three and a bit times uh, for us to be able to sort of, you know, hopefully mathematically stay up. But actually, you yeah. sort of don't... I don't want those three games to come too quickly. From, from <laughs> like you say, from the, the, the liveliness of being a Watford fan, that it comes. But also from the, right, we need to learn how to be behind and battle back. You know, we definitely saw that uh, way at West Ham last year, uh, being 2-0 down. Um, but I think that was a little bit of a capitulation from West Ham. This year, we we seem to be lacking a little something against West Ham. And I do think there were some some tired players out there mentally to, to keep that going against Chelsea. And the two-week break coming up is, is perfect, I think, now for Watford yeah. to be able to, to, to rest, but also to really bed in anything that, um, that Javi wants to. Uh, and I don't think he's necessarily had that much time uh, to really sort of get things deep uh, into the culture of the squad. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I think it's I think seeing how this this club and this squad um, acts in in the face of adversity is is really quite um, exciting. And I think we 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 should be able to expect that. Yes, we've had and and you said we have we're not failing this season, and I I completely agree. I think we've had to deal with a number of issues. Obviously, we've changed manager uh, halfway through the season, which is obviously disruptive. And there was there's all the hullabaloo that goes along with that, and the and the issues that that happened leading up to it. We've had bad injuries, of course, that we that we that we've 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 spoken about almost ad nauseam. We've had you know questions about whether our captain's going to leave um, and all that sort of stuff. So it's been a it's been a very very tricky season. So I think you're absolutely right to say that the fact we're in a, a relegation fight doesn't mean we've failed or the project's failing or the the club's not 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 doing as we as we hoped. I do disagree with you, John. As much as um, you don't want those three three wins to come too quickly, yeah. I absolutely do. Um, and nothing would make me happier than than waking up um, in a cold sweat in the middle of the night at three o'clock reaching for like the live score app on my phone um, other other apps are available hitting that league table button and see us on 40 41 points instead of 30 points and then going down the rabbit hole of seeing where we're going to get those wins so nothing would make me happier than to do that in the next three games and the reason for that is John because I think we often talk about incremental improvements at Watford and how we move forward and how we progress and what, what the future's going to look, for, look, look like for us. I think it's very, very important that if at all possible we end the season strongly so we head into next season in a good a position as possible because I've spoken about this before. We're going to want to attract new players. I think we've seen in the week that there's been people, Spurs has got reported interest in Takore, Chelsea there's reported interest in, in Richarlison, which is absolutely no surprise to anyone. Um, and I wouldn't put any money on the, either of those two being at, at Watford next year. And that's, that's fine. But what we do need to do in that system, because that is the Pozzo way, bring in players for, 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 for value X and sell them for value Z. That's fine. That's how the club will operate um, in the near future. We need to attract replacements and we need to be able to sell Watford as somewhere that you're going to be able to come, not just put yourself in the shop window, but play in an exciting side who's looking to get better. And a big part of that will be how we how we finish this season. 
so the sooner we can we can we can get those points the sooner we can sort of get ourselves safe the sooner we can start focusing on you know, it's always wrong to start thinking about next season but you can see where I'm coming from we need to get this season done and dusted get safe and then position ourselves so we're in a good a place as possible for for next year I think that's really really important for a, a team like Watford I said it earlier in the season you look this year at, at Stoke at Swansea to a lesser degree Everton Crystal Palace they've struggled with recruitment They've struggled to get the right players in. And as a direct result of that, they're struggling in the division. West Brom are another one. They're rooted to the bottom and look absolutely, you know, they look done for. They look gone because they just haven't been able to bring in the players they need to be competitive on a, on a regular basis in the Premier League. It's at real fine margins in this division. And it, the difference can be a couple of players between staying up and really, really struggling. So and maybe my point about not wanting to get the wins too quickly is actually thinking about the future. It's actually thinking, I don't want us to get to 40 points and then all of a sudden the players go, brilliant, we're safe. Yeah. Uh, we, yeah. we don't have the man who's going to be our leader and manager next year. So we're going to just, uh, just you know, finish off these last few games. You want that momentum you know, with expecting with Javi as the manager again at the beginning of next year and throughout the summer that there's, it isn't going on a downward trend uh, at the end of the season uh, leading in, into the summer. But we shall see. We've got two weeks off uh, before we, uh, we play Everton, which I think will be a tasty, tasty game. Do not scratch your ears. You're listening to From the Rookery End. Uh, we're going to. Uh, there's no Watford game next week, uh, but we're going to do a special podcast with um, with Lionel Burney, uh, the author of uh, God, how many? Eighty four books now has he done about Watford? Mike? <laughs> it seems that way. Uh, one book he did in particular in 2011 was one called Watford's 100 Greatest Wins, and it's a fantastic little book. And I said to Lionel that my favourite thing about this book is that you can pick it up at any point and read one of the the game, one of the 100. Pick up another one another time. You don't, it's, not, it's not a book that you just read once. You can keep going back and reminding yourself in little 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 chunks often a good thing to do on the toilet Mike uh, which games in the Pozzo era need to be added to that 100 and, and you know they would bump off the, the five at the bottom of the list do you think there are going to be many uh, games that we're going to have to, to add in I think there'll be plenty I think there'll be plenty. You know, sort of lamenting the last couple of seasons and how they haven't haven't been that exciting at this stage in, uh, of the of the uh, of the season but we've had some real Big and important, important game. Certainly in the in the lead up to promotion, and then since we've been in the Premier League. So, you know, if if you do sit down, and we obviously we have sat down and thought about it ahead of our ahead of our chat with Lionel, which we're very very much looking forward to. It, it, there's, there's a there's a long list of goosebump games that you just start thinking about. You might look them up on YouTube. You might see pictures that you took or whatever. And there is a whole stack of really important games that have have shaped our immediate future, shaped where we are today, shaped where we are in the Premier League. It's been just such a hugely exciting period and so many like really important games that could have, either way, a, a, the wrong result at that stage could have resulted in a really, real different trajectory. Uh, so it feels a bit back to the future going back and looking at these and trying to, trying to imagine what would have happened if, we, if that goal hadn't gone in or that decision had gone the other way or if we hadn't managed to do this and that. So a whole stack 
a whole stack of games that were just so important to our to our recent history. And just thinking back over them, I think is a nice thing for us to be doing, especially when we've uh, we've had some tricky games recently. Yeah, we look back over the Pozzo's era uh, in a special podcast over the summer. But we didn't look back at sort of individual games, which would be quite a fun thing to do. Lionel sort of uh, launched a website, greatestwatfordwins.com, uh, and over the next three months, he's going to be releasing that top 100 uh, games that he wrote uh, back in 2011. So that podcast will be out hopefully next week. Uh, while Watford are on a bit of a break. So, of course, we've been talking about which are our favourite games, our, our potential entries into the 100 greatest Watford games have been in the in the puzzle era, but you'll have your own. So make sure that you let us know via um, Twitter, at Watford Podcast, or if you've got a picture, share it with it and tag it on, on Instagram uh, or Facebook. Let us know. We really want to hear, uh, really hear what games get your hair standing on end. So, Mike, the Watford badge, they always debate, it comes up every so often, should we change it? Does it represent what Watford about? Blah, 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 blah. Um, and um, there's a new Facebook group called Hornets Memorabilia and Programmes. Uh, it's a lovely little group of what you can only describe as pure, passionate Watford fans who talk about uh, and share all the things that they've collected Um yeah. Some proper hardcore geeking out. I'm not afraid to admit that I'm part of it. I love seeing some of the pictures and stuff that, that have flown up. There's some pictures of the of the ground that have, have come up that I've never, ever seen before. It's a real yeah. a real joy. Um, there's some great stuff. Yeah, it's Hornets Programmes and Memorabilia on Facebook uh, if you want to join the group and, and share what you've, you've got. Um, but there's some beautiful, beautiful things on there. And, and on there, a man called Tom Broderick uh, shared about something he's been looking into about the Watford badge. Now, I don't know about you, but I was thought that uh, it turned up in the 1970s uh, with the sort of the current design that we have or a slight adaptation of it which has evolved very very little since uh, Graham Taylor's era especially since I've been a Watford fan since the 80s and, and I always thought it was down to the fact that we were the only professional football club in Hertfordshire but from what Tom's been looking into uh, due to an item that he found he doesn't think that's necessarily 100% true. Were you researching the Watford badge or were you researching something else that sort of brings up this history of the, the heart slash moose? For many years, been interested in um, collecting Watford memorabilia. And one of the more curious items which I picked up was a cigarette card. Curiously, Watford's badge, as was displayed there, seemed to be an old version of the Watford Borough Arms, which the the shield with al dente or written underneath, which you might be familiar with. I was curious as to where this version of the crest had come from and why we were using a new crest now, who designed that crest, what was its symbolic meaning. And one of the things that really stood out for me also was above the arms is the head of a heart, male red deer, with an arrow through its neck. <laughs> really? Um, yep. Yeah. So in sort of putting some of this information together... It turns out, really, that the the use of the heart design stretches back as far as medieval times in terms of its relevance to Hertfordshire, because the actual meaning of the word Hertfordshire, a ford or a watercourse, a crossing of a watercourse that's frequented by hearts, frequented by red deer. And for 
almost as long as that name has been around, the shield of the figure of a heart of a male red deer has been used at, for the heraldry of Hertfordshire. So it has deep and very long connections with, with the county. And that was always the assumption by lots of Watford fans that we were the only professional football team in Hertfordshire. So that's why we'd taken on this heart on our badge. But is it connected to Watford specifically? The name Watford itself goes back to an Anglo-Saxon derivation, which again uses that word ford, which is a, a crossing point of the river. The Watt portion of Watford is said to have originated from an Anglo-Saxon word meaning hunting. Oh. On that basis, Watford as a place name effectively means a ford where hunting takes place. Hunting of deers? The hunting of deers, that's uh. right. Um, specifically the hunting of deers. The, the Watford badge, if it's, if it's based then on the Watford town crest, when was that decided? When was that sort of designed? The really significant part of the relationship between that original Anglo-Saxon name and that town crest is the head of the heart with the arrow through its neck, which I believe is a direct reference of that relevance to the hunting history of the area. And so my thinking is that Red Moosey that we have today on our current badge isn't a representation of Hertfordshire, more that going back to the year Dog, Watford has had that strong association with hunting, and it's actually really effectively a device that represents that blood sport. The motto that the town have Al Dentior was, was part of that 1888 decision about what the town coat of arms would look like. Apparently there was another suggestion about what that might be. Whilst I was researching this crest, I came across an edition of the Hearts Advertiser from the 1st of December 1888. The article explains how the head of the heart specifically represents hunting, which was popular in the countryside around Watford at the time, uh, and has indeed since appeared on the Watford crest in the 1950s and from the mid-1970s to the present day. The article describes how Dr Brett, who was uh, quite prolific in writing to the Watford Observer, had made a strong suggestion that the original Latin motto, non progredi est regredi, meaning not going forwards is going backwards, was not really to his liking. And he had another suggestion, which was al dentior. That itself is Latin and means more boldly. She sort of prefer the, the other motto? Non progredi est regredi has something a little bit more relevant to what I think Watford have really sort of worked under in future years. I think the idea of not going forwards is going backwards is something that Graham Taylor and Elton John would have subscribed to. And certainly when Mr. Bassett or Mr. Petchy turned up in later years, the idea of not going forwards in that case certainly was going backwards. A podcast made by Watford fans Fans. for Watford fans from the rookery end. So Watford means hunting, river crossing. We're associated, Mike, with a blood sport. Do you know what? This is this is going to sound weird, and I'm going to say something for the first time that I've admitted in public. But I uh, still have my ridiculous superstitions uh, before Watford games, and over the last couple of years, I've become um, convinced that I need to listen to a particular song before Watford games to uh, for them to win. Right. And it's, um, it's it's a song by the Dropkick Murphys, and it's called Blood. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah another one. This is all making sense. I was obviously drawn to this song and attached it to Watford because of this sort of. 
blood sport history that the uh, that the, the the badge has got. It all becomes clear, John. I'm not crazy after all. Yeah, so we, we, we'll never, ever want to change our badge. Uh, but it's always quite fun, I think, when you see um, other fans, other artistic fans, uh, designing new Watford badges and what they possibly could look like. So Watford, the badge and the moose is the link to Watford itself, not necessarily just because it's linked to Watford being in Hertfordshire. Plus the motto, not going forwards is going backwards. I do enjoy that one as well. I don't think there's a better better phrase for the rest of the rest of the season, is there? Not going forward is going backwards. It sums up everything we've just spoken about, I think, doesn't it? It is, and uh, let's see if we continue to go forwards as Watford fans. Thank you much for listening to this week's podcast. Uh, plenty to come uh, over the last few games, uh, the, well, the handful of games that we've got left this season, and our special podcast next week uh, with Lionel Burney, trying to figure out which Pozzo era games will make it into the top 100 greatest wins. Thank you very much, Michael. You're welcome. Have a good rest, everyone. We've got Everton in a couple of weeks. It's a big game for a, for a whole host of reasons. So let's make sure it's um, make sure it's a big one in the in the stands. Um, let's show the team we're behind them. Let's show each other we're we're ready for the fight. And yeah, have a good rest. Let's come back and do it. And thank you to Colin. Uh, and make sure you give us a follow on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Watford Podcast. Uh, and do send us in your suggestions for the Watford greatest wins under the Potsos. Come on, you ones. Yeah.